we go to school and we learn math, reading, science, where do we learn to love? This is the question we pose at the beginning of every one of our sessions. Where, do, where did you learn to love? Hello and welcome to Love as a Business Strategy, a podcast that brings humanity to the workplace. We are here to talk about business, but we want to tackle those topics that most business leaders shy away from. We believe that humanity and love should be at the center of every single successful business. As always, I'm your host, Jeff Ma. It's wonderful to be here, and I'm just looking forward to this, today's conversation because um, I have two for the price of one today, two guests. Uh, and they're both from Lovescaping, and we'll get into what that is and what that's all about. As you've already read in the title, I'm sure you're here because you're curious what Lovescaping is. But let me introduce my guests first. Uh, first, we have Irene. <laughs> I've been working with her on this name before the recording for a very long time. I'm still butchering it, but it's Irene Greaves, and she's a, a passionate educator and Lovescaper. She has... Uh, um, a master's education from the University of Pennsylvania and believes learning to practice love and action should be the most important purpose of education. She is the author, founder, and director of Lovescaping, her philosophy of life and pedagogy. Is that, am I even saying that right? Uh, of love based on her global life experience turned educational framework to teach and cultivate the 15 pillars of love in action. Uh, I also have Debbie Landau. Debbie is a bachelor's in psychology and a master's uh, in business administration. She has been in education for 23 years, most of that time as an administrator. When she started teaching, she realized that we focus too much on testing and content and not building the child. Throughout her career, she always addressed our children's socio-emotional needs and nothing compares with the experience she had with lovescaping. How to teach love in action is what she's been focused on. And after implementing the first ever school-wide model of lovescaping at her middle school, she decided to retire and join Lovescaping's mission to lovescape the world. All right. So all of that out of the way, welcome to the show, Irene. I keep saying Irene because the word Irene is written in front of me. Irene and Debbie, how are you? Hi, Jeff. Thank you so much for having us. It's such a pleasure to be with you today. Welcome, welcome. And Hi, how Dan. are you, Debbie? I'm doing great. Thank you for having us. Awesome. So uh, forgive me for the intro uh, and the names that I will mess up throughout the rest of the show, but that's not important. Uh, right now, we're here to talk about the two of you and, of course, lovescaping. And Irene, let me, let me start with you. And I'm just curious, um, can you give a little bit of the, the summary of the story of the journey that brought you to your passion today? Yes, absolutely. So um, lovescaping is the work of my life. It's actually my philosophy of life based on my lived experience. So I'm originally from Venezuela um, and growing up in Venezuela, I really learned the importance of diversity, equity and inclusion um, in a very close to home way because my oldest sister, is a special needs child. And so growing up with her, because she wasn't considered quote unquote normal, she was denied access, entry or participation into schools, into activities that 
you know, I could join. Um, and my mother fought so hard for my sister to be included and to join our schools. And we would routinely go to schools and they would shut their doors um, until we found one that with open arms embraced us. And when my sister graduated high school, she won the best friend award on behalf of her classmates. And to this day, they share how going to school with her changed their lives and definitely my sister's. So what I learned from these early experiences growing up in Venezuela with my sister is that diversity, equity, and inclusion are not about allowing entry to someone different into a group, you know, as in, oh, I'm doing you a favor. It's about realizing that every human being is unique and different, and we all become enriched when we embrace one another. So I took those seeds that were planted in my heart from an early age. And in the last 17 years, I left Venezuela when I turned 18. And I've had the great privilege and opportunity to live, study, work, and volunteer around the world. So I've lived in Africa, in Asia, in Europe, and in Central America, always working in education and community development. And what I learned from those experiences is that love transcends all differences. And that love is not a feeling, love is an action. And so when I came to the US to get my master's in education, I had my epiphany. I looked at all of those life experiences to see what allowed us to love one another. What did love as an action consist of? And that's how lovescaping came about. This philosophy of life based on the 15 pillars, the 15 ingredients that make love possible, that I noticed that they were present across all of these diverse experiences. They are values. And I believe that we can teach them and learn them in an intentional way. And so the 15 pillars of lovescaping are humility, empathy, respect, communication, care, compassion, patience, honesty, vulnerability, trust, solidarity, liberation, gratitude, forgiveness, and hope. And so lovescaping is first and foremost, a way of life based on embodying these 15 pillars. Wow, amazing. I think, I feel like, um... I had so many more questions to build off of that before I, I, I'm, I'm, I'm trying to write them down as you went through. I just trying to keep up with 15 amazing things that I, I wish I had. I could just do an episode on each one of those words. So that's amazing. But before I jump over to that, Debbie, I want to make sure I also hear your story. Where did your uh, passion come from? What was the road that brought you here today? So uh, I'm also from Caracas, Venezuela. Um, and but we met here in the States. And um, like I said, like you said before, I've been 23 years in education. Uh, but in all the 23 years, I feel there was something lacking in our educational system. And I tried to bring it to the schools. Um, you know, character education, different programs that, that they're out there um, and, and try to implement it at our schools. And, and I, when I met Irene, Irene came to my school three years ago. And we tried it with a small group of seventh grade girls. And I was just, uh, I mean, I could not believe how effective and how important this work is. And I said, that's it. That's what I've been missing. I had some of the components um, about making sure that kids have a place every day where they're learning 
um, values, I did not have the right uh, curriculum, I guess. And so when I met Irene, uh, we decided uh, to actually take that to our teachers. Um, and it's so important that our teachers go through the process of the 15 pillars. And that's when I just said, this is it. This is what I want to do for the rest of my life. And so that's how I joined Irene. That's amazing. So to clarify for the audience and to understand lovescaping better, is this a, do you consider it a curriculum? Is it a guideline, a framework? And is it, and is the audience for children or everyone or a certain age group? What can you help give me some shape to what lovescaping is? Sure. So first, as I said, it's, it's a way of life. Number one, it's a philosophy of living. So it is for everyone. And it's also an educational system and framework. And so we believe as an organization that learning to love, learning to practice love as an action should be a core component of our educational systems. And like Debbie said, this is, we need to start with the adults. We need to lovescape our teachers, lovescape our parents and lovescape our children from the moment they enter school, right? We go to school and we learn math, reading, science, where do we learn to love? This is the question we pose at the beginning of every one of our sessions. Where, do, where did you learn to love? And pose and think about that question because we often assume, we don't, we rarely ask this question, number one, and we assume that we're going to learn to love at home or that just by virtue of being alive and being born into the world, that somehow you're going to absorb what love is by osmosis. And we know that that's not true and not every home is a love loving home, mm -hmm. but we can guarantee as a society that every school is a loving community, a loving environment, a loving culture where everybody is learning to practice and embody these 15 pillars that will really heal our humanity. Like you said, it's about returning humanity to the, you know, to, to the workplace, to the world. And we do that, we believe by intentionally and purposefully dedicating a time, like Debbie said, we need to dedicate time and resources to teaching. How do I embody humility? How do I practice empathy? How do I communicate in an assertive way, in a nonviolent way, right? How do I practice solidarity? How do I become compassionate? These values that are so important, but we have failed, in our opinion, to really teach them intentionally. And so our mission is to bring lovescaping as a core component of schooling and to also, you know, lovescape the world. So it's really for everybody, anybody who's listening to this podcast, you can really reflect on your life experience and think, how do I, how do I embody and practice love as an action every day of my life with my spouse, with my colleagues, with my, um, with my neighbors, with strangers. And so it's really, uh, again, this this way of life. Uh, Jeff, I'd like, like to also add that all the adults that have been through it and it's so many that I know because they went to my teachers, it changed their lives. It wasn't about the, the school. It wasn't about it. It really, they, they talked how it changed their lives. And I'll tell you that it changed my life. Um, and, and, and the reason is because of the most, one of the most important words in Irene's framework is intentionality. And it's about that we can, we can unlearn 
and relearn. That doesn't mean that because we do things one way, we have to keep doing it that way. And that as a principal, that was hard because I would tell the teachers, hey, how, you know, let's talk to the kids in a better way before landscaping came. And they would say, oh, come on, Debbie, I was taught like that and look at me, I'm okay. And so it is really about unlearning and learning again with the 15 pillars. I love it, obviously, um, very much in line with everything that I believe in. But what I really love is how early you're you're targeting, how you're you're starting in a place that um, is so foundational. And that you know, like I, 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 in my line of work, I'm talking about this with fully grown adults, um, and um, it almost feels like a more logical place to start, where people are still moldable and spongy and and seeking that love in their life and and how that can uh, eventually form adults that are are healthier in that context it sounds incredible and uh debbie i'll i'll, I'll ask you it sounds like uh, your mission uh to bring this to schools and make this i mean what an amazing world it would be if this was just a standard curriculum but it sounds like um there's a lot of barriers to that. What, having come from schooling yourself, um, what's the approach going to be? Like, how are you going to get this curriculum out and and past all the 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 the, the yellow tape that's going to block it from reaching these kids? Well, there's a couple of ways. You know, I think that that after COVID and after all the the horrible things that have been happening in a couple, you know, last year. And I, I think people are ready. Uh, I know principals want to do this. It's not a matter of they don't believe in it. Um, they believe in it. So I think that the number one, by already we have 18 schools in, in, in the Houston area where we're actually implementing it uh, school-wide in eight schools, which will gather data and will people will be able to talk about it. That's one way that we start convincing other people. Um, and then, you know, the barrier is just, it's money as in everything. Uh, it's, uh, so one of our, our, our missions is to start finding businesses who believe in landscaping and will sponsor a school. Um, not asking for millions of dollars, but they will sponsor a school in their community. And so those are the, the the two barriers, or honestly, the barrier that I see the most is money, because most schools feel that they have to spend their money um, in uh, increasing their scores. Yes. Uh, everything is about uh, scores. And and we believe, Eden and I, that if we landscape the world, everything else, including those scores, will be okay. And I agree, 100%. Um, I, I guess diving into the the curriculum, if you will, or the, the 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 philosophy and all that, these fifteen pillars. I mean, they're pretty they're pretty clearly well thought through. How did you form this list, and kind of can you walk through a little bit of how, what what kind of what they what they make up all together and how they how they came to be. Sure. So, um, you know, as I was saying at the beginning, when I came to the U.S. to get my master's in education, by the end of it, I, I realized I had this epiphany that love is the sine qua non, the essential condition of our humanity. Right. And that education needs to 
we we need to use education to to nurture and and teach the heart and what better place to learn love than at schools and so as i looked at i did a it was it was a really a research project of my lived experience as i said i looked at the ingredients that were common across when I lived in Mozambique, when I lived in China, I was a teacher, I worked in community development, I worked in international development. I looked at all of the letters and documents and uh, experiences that we had had together with former colleagues, with students, with community members. And I noticed that there were all these similarities, right? Across all these different places, like when they described what was so effective about our time together, about our classes, about our spaces where we came in to share knowledge. And that's how the 15 pillars came about. It wasn't just this, you know, list that, oh, they all sound great and they they sound nice together. It actually, they surfaced from all of these experiences. People were saying, you know, there was empathy, there was solidarity, we were humble. We were compassionate. You know, we shared our suffering. We opened our hearts. We were vulnerable. And so that's how they, they came about. And, and really, when, when we teach them, we follow a method. We are very intentional about teaching these. They, we like to show them in the shape of a circle because circles have a very special significance for us. Like they're symbols of equality and continuity and infinity and community and togetherness. And so we like to show all the pillars in a circle and they're all equally important, but there is an order. And we start with humility because humility is the openness to the practice of the rest of the pillars. When I am humble and I recognize that I could have been a completely different person and had completely different beliefs had I been born in a different part of the world, for instance, when I recognize that there's no absolute truth with capital T, when I recognize that when I know better, I can do better in the words of Maya Angelou, right? I am humble. And when I am humble, humility removes prejudice because I understand that every human being has a frame of reference a unique frame through which we see and understand the world. It doesn't mean that mine is better or worse than yours. It's just different. And when we really understand that and live with that knowledge, acknowledgement, then we can practice empathy, our next pillar. There is no empathy without humility. Because if I believe that my way is the right way and my frame is right and yours is wrong or mine is better than yours, I am never going to put myself in your shoes and try to understand how things might look from your experience. So in that, in that way, and then, the, the, and then there's, they follow respect, communication. So there is a method to teaching them. They build on each other, like these building blocks, but they form a puzzle together. I love that. And, you know, I'm definitely going to be, digging further into this after this conversation because there's so much that I know I can learn from it. Um, but I have a question around, you know, I, we work in similar spaces. Again, I'm I'm working in the workplace um, with adults and you're working with everybody, but also focused on on teaching this to children and things. But one of the one of the main, I guess, um, like challenges around working in this space is that it begins with introspection and and a mindset. 
this type of work we do is not um, of the logical mind all the time. It can it can be made logical, but at the set, at the end of the day, it is an introspective self awareness um, journey. And um, as hard as that is for adults to do, in my experience, um, I'm curious. I guess what how does that how is that different with children? Like how how when you work in schools and when you work with um, younger adults or, or small children, um, is that as much, is that as much of a challenge? Is it easier? Is it harder? Um, and, and really I'm getting at is you say you start with, with, um, you start with that humility, which I would argue is one of the harder things for some ingrained adults to, to, to acquire. And it's, and it's never as simple as saying, here's what humility means and here's what it looks like. And here's a video that shows humility. Like you have to get people to recognize their own lack of humility and their own um, errors in their ways. And that's not, nobody, not a lot of people want to hear that or see that side themselves. Not everybody wants to hold that mirror up. So I guess my question is drifting a little bit. It's now like a three-part question, but really I'm, I'm wondering, number one, how does this, how does that journey look like for kids? Easier, harder, different? And also, how do you teach humility at the end of the day? How, besides defining it, like what is the way to get people to actually recognize their own elements in this in these pillars? So um, I'm going to say that that it depends on the age. So I'm going to start with pre-K. We start with pre-K. The younger, the easier. Hmm. Once it gets to middle school, oh boy, it gets a little bit more difficult. <laughs> Uh, and then when we get to uh, high school, and Irene can talk more about high school, um, it, you know, people have their already um, ingrained concepts of of this competition of I want to be better than you. It's 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 how we, you know, everything we do is about competition. We want to be the best. I mean, we ingrain that from the minute they start talking about college. Uh, you need to race in the top. You need to be in the top and to be in the top, what do you have to do? Step on others. And, and so without saying it, that is what we're saying to kids. And so, of course, as we get older, then our, you know, we're set on our, on our, on our, on our mindset and it's more difficult to, to, to do a, a mind shift or a really a hardship. Um, but, but it is possible. So uh, again, much easier starting very young, and that's why we focus this year uh, only pre-K through eighth grade, because that is where if we can change our kids' mindsets and, and teach the 15 pillars, then we have a battle half won. Absolutely. And, and to add to that, you know, we, we are really one of our aims and goals is to really bring bring the curriculum to life and to, to go above and beyond just like you, what you said, Jeff, just like, oh, here's the definition. There's a lot of like character uh, education programs out there, right? And they, oh, this is the character trait of the month, respect, and this is what respect is. And, but again, there's not that intentional, dedicated time to teaching and learning and talking about it and reinforcing it. And we believe, again, repetition is key. That's why we believe this should be a class in every, every grade level, from pre-K, from the moment you enter your, the school to 12th grade. 
the same way we have math all throughout, right? It's just developmentally appropriate. It goes, it, it, it changes in, mm. in um, complexity, but it's the same concepts, right? So how do we make it accessible and how do we make it meaningful and relevant to the students' lives? And so really the goal is that it becomes such a part of the culture of the school that there's not only this dedicated time every day, they have lovescaping class. The schools that are doing it school-wide have 30 minutes of lovescaping class every day in the morning. So when you have that level of consistency, right? And then it becomes part of how teachers and administrators and parents and even kids among themselves, they start noticing and, and calling each other, you know, out and in when it's like, hey, that wasn't humble. You know, when a kid it when a kid admits a mistake and says apologizes, the teacher says, what an example of humility. You really exemplified humility there. And that is the goal, that it becomes this language, this language of love and action that everybody, you know, we're reinforcing not only during lovescaping class, but also throughout the, the day. So if you're reading a novel, right, how did this character exemplify empathy? How is this an example in history class of solidarity, of people coming together to achieve this goal, of caring about the well-being of your fellow human? The goal is for this to really be embedded and infused everywhere else after targeting it, right, in a, in a very consistent way. So both of those really, um, and, and, and the results are extraordinary when you see little children really stepping into the shoes of others, like in a literal way to practice empathy. When we bring in, you know, our frame of reference activity for humility, it's very powerful. People have um, epiphanies, you know, because they, they are posed with questions that they had never maybe thought about before. So it's, it's, we try to make it as engaging as possible. There's a lot of role play. There's a lot of, you know, um, writing and reading and, and just like discussions and, and discussions. And, and it's about bringing that humanity piece. Like how does your experience, let me step into your shoes. Let me realize that I'm not the only one struggling with this. And so the whole system, the whole framework really lends itself to building those authentic uh, connections. You know, our big goal, uh, really, our big, big goal is that the Department of Education of the United States of America says this must be a class, just like reading, writing, in order to graduate. That's our big goal. Uh, you know, you, you, you hear a lot about transforming education, uh, doing something about education, and, and, and this is transformation. This is innovative. Uh, and it's needed without, you know, we talked about, you know, I, I, I was principal in very tough schools where our teachers have to spend so much time dealing with discipline, dealing with kids not showing empathy, not being humble, having no idea how to communicate. There's no idea. When I used to bring my kids in front of me, I would have them talk to each other, get to know each other, understand that they're coming from a different home, but with very similar backgrounds. And just, but that takes time. So what we need is educators who would have the courage to say, let's do it differently. Because doing the same thing over and over is the definition of insanity. Mm -hmm. And, you know, this is something that's hitting really ho home for me because um, 
you know, there's there's a lot that when you work with adults, you wish people would understand more readily and easily. And there's this element of of not understanding how to break through with some folks. It's so ingrained in us. Uh, you mentioned the sense of competition before, but it's almost like so many of your pillars are things that kids already inherently know in some senses, and they've only been shown otherwise as they've grown up that 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 they should be you know not vulnerable and guard themselves and not be mm -hmm. you know it's no humility and things like that mm -hmm. and so it, this is so exciting and, and i love the way that you guys have positioned it and, and made it and i think the dream is incredible i think the mission to get this into schools is incredible while i'm waiting for that um, as a parent myself of young children is there a way that i can um access this material or, or gain uh, something or have something to, to, to use at home or, or to with my community? Is there anything that I can uh, get from Lovescaping right now? Absolutely. So we encourage everybody to start with my book, to read the book, which is kind of the, the foundational element. It explains the 15 pillars. So that's a great way to start. And we do have, uh, we have a, a wonderful guidebook for parents to practice lovescaping at home that we are right now. It's available for the schools that are participating in lovescaping, but we are about to make it uh, available for parents such as yourself who want to have a tool that they can use at home. How do I practice this at home with my children? Um, so definitely, uh, you know, visit our website, read the book. Um, and, and that's a great start. We want to make lovescaping available to people such as yourself uh, who are who are not, you know, in the schools that we're serving now. So the best way is just to stay in touch with uh, our social media and just uh, and follow us and support us. And also by actually once you read it and you're implementing it at home, going to your principal and saying, hey, we need to bring lovescaping. Uh, PTAs can fund it. You know, there's so many ways that they can, that the businesses can fund it. You know, I know schools sometimes don't have enough funding, but coming from parents, it's even stronger because he, the, you know, we principals, we listen to our parents. And Absolutely. so going to our principals and saying, please bring lovescaping to our school. Yeah. And, and as an endorsement, just from me and in, in learning and hearing about this, um, I work with, you know, businesses of all different sizes of uh, where, where, you know, critical decisions and, and different ups and downs of all the hectic business world are involved. And, and the science and this research has shown that elements such as your 15 uh, pillars, such as the six pillars that we, we talk about in love as a business strategy are, are elements that prove to be successful in business. They are what lead to actually ultimate life success. So what I'm hearing is teaching kids these skills earlier is setting them up for the right type of success in the future. And one of the big, big things that, um, that we always hear when we talk to folks that um, are skeptics or really not, not for this type of change is that these all sound like soft skills. And we always push back. I always say, these are not soft skills, these are critical skills. And I hear that you have 15 critical skills as well here with Lovescaping that I, I'm really excited to dive into. Um, I'm definitely gonna use the resource and check uh, check out the book. And also, you know, my wife is very active in the PTA. So we're gonna see what we can do over here. But um, I hope the audience also, um, you know, feels the energy you, you, you folks are bringing across 
I love the passion. I love the mission. I'm I'm all in on lovescaping. This is incredible. And I, and I think that I, I really, really look forward to, you know, maybe not in our generation, but maybe one day, um, this, this being something that at the core really of what it means to like grow, learn and grow and, and, and become an adult, including all this. So thank you both of you for taking the time today and sharing this incredible, uh, journey and story. And, um, yeah, I just really appreciate both of you for being here today. Thank you, Jeff. This was such a refreshing conversation. Thank, Thank you, you very much for having us. Absolutely. And, and, and best of luck. And, you know, I really hope that I can get you back on the show one day to talk about, you know, all the progress because I, I'm definitely rooting for you. And I know that um, this is something that's going to make a big difference. So I, I, I feel strongly about that. Yes. And if I can do one more pitch out there to businesses that, you know, it, we, a lot of schools and businesses are saying kids are not prepared. This is the way to help our community get prepared. So get involved, contact us, and sponsor a school. Absolutely. Wonderful. And thank you uh, to the listeners of the show. Thank you for sticking with us all this time. Every week we're here for you. So please give us your feedback. Let us know what you think. And check out our book as well. Check out both books. Check out Lovescaping. Check out Love as a Business Strategy. The, the book has love in it. And I think it's yellow. Is yours kind of yellow too, right? It's um, yellow. Yeah. Yes. So if, if it's yellow and it's got love in the in the title, please check it out. And um, <laughs> we appreciate all the support. Thanks once again um, to Lovescaping for being here. And we will see everybody next week.